Welcome back to Innovation Big and Small. Hi there, Jim. Hi, Squirrel. How are you today? I'm doing great. Ready to talk about whatever it is we're picking up this week. What is it? Well, last time we talked about open innovation and uh, and how large companies sometimes use open innovation. And we sort of touched on this idea that there's a related uh, topic, which is open source innovation, uh, which is different because uh, open source is really built by communities for their own use. It's not, uh, people are not trying to control the IP, the intellectual property, they're trying to share it and build it. And uh, there are a lot of reasons people participate, but it's very different. I know you have some experience working with startups who have really leveraged open source. Maybe you could talk about that. Absolutely. It's pretty much the, um, the, the foundation of most startups is that there's uh, all this fantastic software that's available that allows you to get started on your e-commerce idea or your um, software as a service product or your B2B product, whatever it might be. There's almost certainly something that's off the shelf that uh, loads and loads of people have invested persons centuries into uh, in order to make it possible for you to set up a uh, website with authentication and scaling and content distribution around the world and all kinds of fantastic things. And all of that is available literally for free. And uh, that's what I think one of the great achievements of, of human civilization in the, in the past century or so is that, uh, or at least 50 years, that, that we have all this uh, fantastic material and it's available for free. And, and startups would, would just, uh, many, many would just never get started. They, they would not be able to raise enough funding to be able to produce that level of um, software quality, software availability, um, handling all the weird edge cases, making sure it works in uh, Polish and Hebrew and what other other crazy situation you might be find yourself in that uh, the, the fact that this stuff is available off the shelf just gives startups a huge boost. And so they don't go to these kind of competitions and so on where they're, uh, they're uh, trying to get somebody from the outside to build things for them because they're already built, they're already available. And that's the kind of glory of open source. Do they, do they get concerned at all about, uh, you know, having whatever they produce sort of inherent, inherit the open nature and, how do, how do they manage that? I know diff, there are a bunch of different open source licenses that are out there, some more restrictive than others. But... Absolutely. In the fast and loose world of uh, startups, people don't worry about that kind of stuff. When you're getting started, you just want to prove your idea works. If somebody sued you because you were using the software wrong, that would be great because somebody would notice you existed, existed and that would be a, a good problem. Uh, so in the very early stages, nobody worries about that. When you start getting into due diligence, and I'll do technical due diligence for uh, venture capitalists, for example, uh, who want to look at a startup and decide what its IP portfolio is worth and what the risks are and so on, then we'll start looking at that sort of thing. Sometimes we'll have to take out some of those licenses that impose a burden on you that say you have to make the software that you're creating open source as well. Sometimes you don't have to. Sometimes it's actually okay for yours also uh, to be open source for you to contribute back to that community that has produced this amazing free off-the-shelf software that, that you can use uh, without any investment. So sometimes there are folks who can actually do that and that um, is is safe for them. It doesn't cause them any uh, commercial challenge. In other cases, they have to take out the bits that require that. That's usually actually not that difficult. Most software that's in common use by startups doesn't have a, a, a restrictive license of that kind. That's interesting. Yeah, intellectual property departments at large firms are often very skittish about using anything with open source, but it's becoming less and less uh, optional. It's uh, you know to, to build things quickly and and well. It often 
requires it. So that that's very interesting. I haven't heard uh, people talk of it quite as uh, forcefully as you. As the whole argument was that you know the originators of open source was that it would accelerate innovation, and and, uh, and it really has. Yeah, yeah, really, very interesting perspective. I, I also think it's uh, in large companies. Some large companies have have sort of learned that they can make some of their hardware open source and get innovative benefits from from it as well. So I'm familiar with one company called Dexcom that makes uh, glucose monitors. I don't know if you know of them. They uh, they make it. We'll link to them in the show notes if if listeners are interested. Keep going. Yeah, tell us about it. Yeah, so so I I visited them once uh, as part of this MIT Innovation Lab that Eric von Hippel runs, and they um, what they what they did was they have a sensor, they have a a monitor, and they opened up the interface and communities of people around it. One I think is called the Nightcrawler community or Night Scout. I think it's called. And they uh, have developed um, software that helps people automate and monitor in different ways their uh, their own glucose. So in the most extreme case, one community developed essentially an uh, an artificial pancreas. So it would um, it would make the injections uh, per the algorithms that were developed not by Dexcom but by this community. Now the community can't sell it. Uh, it, they'd have to get FDA approval, and there are all sorts of impediments to that. But what they can do is share it. So they've formed a community. Someone tries something. There are other other communities that have tried to uh, track diets and uh, and provide apps that help people monitor and man- manage their glucose that way. But I thought that's a very interesting example of a business uh, leveraging it and uh, you know developing a bigger uh, business or a more loyal uh, fan base and customer base as a result. Indeed. And the, the argument that the, someone would make, I'm sure someone at Dexcom would make this argument, and people at IBM who produce new versions of Linux um, open source operating system and other things. So there are really big organizations that do contribute to this open source, both hardware and software movement. The argument they would make the folks who are actually putting that investment in is that they can make the innovation much faster and more successful if they have a lot of people helping them. So yes, uh, Dexcom, I assume, would have more difficulty if they had to run a whole bunch of focus groups to tell them, well, which app is going to work best and what um, artificial pancreas algorithms are the most successful and so on. That would be a big cost to them. And so it's less cost, although it seems kind of risky at first, it's less cost to have many eyes and many people cooperating on the project rather than having to hire all those people or find them and run focus groups and, and um, try to get information. So that's certainly what the, the software world does. And I have to believe that's what the hardware folks are, are doing as well, because that is an, an increasing area. You, you get more eyes on it, therefore you get more innovation and more success faster than you would any other way. And if it's and if it's not just individuals, but it's communities that collaborate with one another, it builds much more quickly. And open source, our innovation, open source projects are innovation communities. But I think it goes a little deeper too. In that space, it, it doesn't just accelerate or reduce the co- or it doesn't just reduce the cost. It accelerates the time to market because you can get an individual who's willing to trial something well ahead of what it would take to go through multiple stages of FDA approval and so forth. They're, they're modifying it for their own purpose. That's the only 
purpose they can. They, they're free to share it, but uh, but it's not an approved product. So it's a it's a the community has to develop a lot of trust for uh, one party to leverage the work of others. But it does, and it's uh, it's quite interesting. Uh, I know another company, Coloplast, that made uh, uh, colostomy bags. Uh, they had a, a loyal customer base. They opened up the design process. So before they brought something to market, they would show prototypes, even send prototypes to users and get their feedback. Um, now, some of the IP people would worry, you're just giving away. Other people can lurk. Our competitors can lurk. But they gained so many benefits through uh, in that design process. So anyway, I think it's it's different from open innovation in that it's uh, it's not basically want, find, get, and bring it in. It's more building community and uh, building trust, and uh, and I think that's a, that's exciting. I think business will look more like that, but very few uh, have have grokked it yet. Well, in the startup world, they definitely have. And a lot of the people, actually, it's entertaining how, how little some of the founders know. If, if you're not a technical founder, you might have a brilliant idea for your insurance company or your um, uh, innovation in the in music or whatever it is. So you might be really good at the domain. And you turn to some developers and you say, hey, guys, we don't have any budget, but can, can you build me a website that does this, this, and this? And you know, it needs to have a login and it needs to have these things. And they say, well, I wonder what tools I can reach for. Yeah. And, and in, in 1998, you would have had to reach for uh, a whole bunch of uh, very expensive tools that you would have bought from somebody like IBM or Netscape or somebody like that. And today you, uh, you go download a bunch of stuff off the web and you go and use it. And, and that's uh, providing a, a huge boost. It allows somebody to develop an idea very, very quickly without uh, any real technical uh, uh, investment uh, in, in all the infrastructure, all the foundations. Then all yeah. the clever stuff is your algorithm for better insurance or uh, making amazing music or whatever it is that you're building. That's what you can focus on. And that makes a huge difference. I, I think, as you say, the, the big corporations are, are way behind on this. And I think they can yeah. get a lot of benefit from doing the same sort of thing, starting from a, a very high uh, uh, elevation rather than starting at ground zero. Absolutely. And I think they have to, there's a mindset shift that has to take place for them to be willing to do it. People talk about startups as being agile and quick because they're small and they are using latest technologies and so forth. I haven't heard people talk so much about the benefit they get from the practice of uh, building on what's there uh, in the open source community. So that's, that's something really, uh, really interesting to me. Yeah, it makes a huge difference. Newton said, you know, he was able to discover gravity because he stood on the shoulders of giants. There were people who came before him who had other useful ideas, and he didn't have to start from zero. And in the same way, startups start with a, a huge boost because they, they have this huge um, uh, uh, library of open source tools to, to draw on. And they're willing to use it. And, and they're willing to. that They're willing to take that uh, to take that hit and, and, and use it. That's very, very helpful. So if listeners are using open source or open innovation, they can get in touch with us and uh, tell us about what's working for them or not. So please do get in touch. We like hearing from listeners. Uh, you can find us on uh, LinkedIn and Twitter and email and all kinds of stuff. And you'll see the at the bottom of the, the podcast show notes, there's information about that, as well as information about uh, the companies and ideas that we mentioned in this podcast. And of course, we're going to be back uh, pretty soon. Actually, we're taking a little bit of a break for the next couple of weeks because Jim and I are both on holiday but uh, we'll be back at the end of september with new exciting stuff so if you hit the subscribe button and whatever you use 
you can hear us again, uh, once again, on Innovation Big and Small. Thanks, Jim. Thank you, Squirrel.